Once upon a midnight dreary, while I checked my crypto weak and weary over many a tear for the volume of forgotten crypto lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping, rapping on my door. "'Tis some bull run,' I muttered, tapping on my door. Only bears and nothing more. And now Ravencoin today was sitting with Tron Black, the lead developer, rapping at our door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a programmer that is dreaming, and the code or him streaming throws his brilliance here before. And the coin from out that shadow that we shall today learn some more is here on Bad Crypto episode number 233 forevermore. Our deepest and sincere apologies to Edgar Allan Poe. Welcome to the Bad Poetry Crypto Podcast here. Joel Kahn and Travis Wright, we are not poets. And I don't know about you, Travis, but I don't even have a great respect for poetry. Sorry, not sorry. Well, I think back in the day, whenever before YouTube and, you know, 300 channels of television, you know, people read more. I don't know if you knew that. But poems, I guess, were a big thing. There once was a man from Nantucket. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I you know I'm just a commoner when it comes to poetry. You know it's so it, it's so fancy and they're using all these words. A lot of times they're using words that don't really, you know, we don't use anymore, right? And so a lot of poetry is sort of challenging for most people to sort of understand. And but then again, if you studied lots and lots of poetry in college, like what kind of job does that allow you to have today? You know, I guess maybe creative writing. There's a lot of copywriting that needs to happen today. So probably maybe a copywriter. You can can certainly gain inspiration from, from many a thing, Mr. Joel Kahn. You could not like poetry and still respect those who, uh, who do like it. And so. Poe was creepy though. Poe was creepy. There was like some short story was like, whoa, dude. Mm -hmm. The cask of Amontillado. Yeah, good good stuff. Anyhow, we're glad you guys are here, and that's about as creepy as it's going to get, because when we talk about Ravencoin today, I don't think there is a single reference to Edgar Allan Poe in our interview with Tron Black, but we're still going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about Digitex, because they are sponsoring this show. And by now, if you haven't gone to DigitexFutures.com, I'm wondering, what the heck? Why not? Hmm? Answer really? me. Yes, answer him right now. Over 850,000 people have gone there, Mr. Joe Com. I think it's 950,000, isn't it? Is it now? Man, I, I thought it, it was. Growing. I guess the next time we talk to Adam Scott, it'll be well over a million. Yeah. But uh, this is a revolutionary trading platform that's eliminating all transaction fees as well as withdrawal and deposit fees. And so it, it sh- if they're able to deliver as they are promising, which uh, they're pretty confident on, it should be a game changer in the futures market. So you can go to... Uh, digitexfutures.com forward slash buy hyphen DGTX. That will tell you all you need to know about scoring yourself some of that. Didn't we have a short link set up for this? I think it was badco.in forward slash futures as well. So it's all in the show notes here and badco.in forward slash 233 where you can link to it. I know that they are starting with beta with a handful of people that signed up and anticipate rolling out to the public in the second quarter of 2019. So. 
That is exactly it. Badco.in forward slash futures. Now, you get know. early access. I know. Quoth Travis Wright, let's move on to our feature with Tron Black of Ravencoin. You may or may not have heard of a project out there called Ravencoin. Well, if you hadn't, now you have. It's a blockchain platform optimized for transferring assets such as tokens from one holder to another, your peer-to-peer model. It's a fork based on the Bitcoin code, but there's some key changes to it. And we're going to learn about it today as we speak with the lead developer for Ravencoin, Mr. Tron Black. How you doing, Tron? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Yeah, we're, we're good. And is your rapper name T-Ron? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm actually confused by this because whenever we, we had the show notes set up, it said, Tron Black and then Ravencoin, and I was like, "Whoa!" So Ravencoin is changing its name to Tron Black. It's like Bitcoin Gold. I was confused, and that's that's your actual name. So it's excellent to meet you. Oh, thanks, thank you. So yeah, my actual name. My my father was a chemical engineer, and so it came from Electron, and he took the Tron part. So I, I predate the movie by a little bit. You predate oh. the movie as well. That's awesome. I bet I bet you had some fun with that when that came out. Yeah, I did. I did. No royalties have come my way. I'm not sure what happened. Did you get any Tron tokens, though, whenever that happened? So I, I do own some Tron tokens. I had to do it. <laughs> I, I've, gotten, I've gotten some criticism, but I, I don't regret it. So. That's good. All right, so let's talk about Ravencoin then. The symbol for the token is RVN. What is this thing that you and your team have built? Sure. So uh, so it was actually the brainchild of Bruce Fenton, uh, and then he talked to Patrick Byrne. Uh, the CEO of, of Overstock, and they they talked together, and, and uh, Patrick said, "Well, I have some developers and, and some guys uh, in Medici Ventures that could probably help with this." And and so we basically came up with the ideas and how to put it together, and what coin to fork, and how we uh, assemble assets, the ability to create assets on top of a UTXO based uh, coin. And so that that's how Raven Coin was born. Well, this is this is interesting because we just had uh, Rachel Wolfson just did an interview with Bruce that's just on an episode that just uh, came out. And I think it uh, is important to note that neither Mr. Travis Wright nor myself are holding any Raven coin. I'm assuming you're not, Trav, but tell me if you are. I'm I'm not. But this is really interesting because, you know, we've been in the process here over the past few months of. Well, whenever we launched the show uh, back in J- July of 2017, shortly thereafter, we, we launched Badcoin. And Badcoin, we launched it on the BitShares platform, and we were, it was just a joke. But here recently, we've been building it out. And, you know, one of the things that we've noticed is it's kind of similar to what you guys are doing because it looks like with Ravencoin, you guys have a 21 billion coin supply. And it's also ASIC resistant because you didn't want anybody, you didn't want a whole bunch of people out there, you know, getting, uh, you know, mining all yeah, the cryptos. We, yeah, right? we, so wanted good. It, we wanted to keep it, uh, you know, as decentralized, more of a people's coin as po- you know, as much as possible. And then also, you know, if we'd launched it on SHA-256 Bitcoin, it would have been just, you know, destroyed right at the beginning as, as you know, somebody threw a few major machines at it. So we actually rewrote, uh, we actually put mining back into the software. So we pulled mining back in and we, we actually changed the proof of work algorithm is uh, unique as well. Is it is it faster than Bitcoin? So the 
speed is just a choice. And, and so our choice was one minute block. So from that perspective, yes, it's faster. So, so we have uh, Bitcoin has 10 minute blocks. We have one minute blocks. So it's faster that way. Uh, we did up the, the block size to two megabytes. Uh, so we're about 20x the capacity, transaction capacity of Bitcoin uh, with the ability to, to move up more if we need it. But right now, that's not, not our concern. Very cool. So what is the X16R algorithm? You, you wrote an algorithm paper around this and you guys designed the currency around that. Is that is that sort of the uh, slowing down the computers or whatever so people can't uh, go crazy with the mining? Yeah. So so the main reason for it was was to keep it somewhat ASIC resistant. So I wouldn't call it ASIC proof, but um, we do have a kind of a statement out there that if we see an ASIC, we're going to change the algorithm. Uh, but what we did was we took uh, one of the one of the things that we were doing to try and look at ASIC resistance was to say, hey, can we just modify the algorithm, uh, you know, periodically to kind of make it so that if you did, did build an ASIC, we just obsolete it. And and as we were talking through that, we said, yeah, we you know we, we have to, we can change the algorithm, but if no one knows what's coming, that would be problematic. Uh, and then we said, well, what if you used something from the chain, uh, you know, the chain blocks before? Uh, to decide which algorithm to use. And we said, well, we could even use the previous block and change the algorithm order every block. And so that's what we did. So the, so if you're familiar with Dash, Dash is X11, which is 11 hashing algorithms in a row where it mm-hmm. push, puts one hash into the next and the next until it runs through all 11. Then you look at the result at the end to see if it's a low number. Uh, so we did something uh, similar, only we did 16 algorithms. But every block, we rotate the order. It goes through those algorithms. Based on the hash of the previous block, which of course isn't predictable, it you know changes every block, and, and you can't predict it in advance. Uh, and so it's it's been really interesting. Uh, we were able to to CPU mine for about a month, and then uh, the GPU guys uh, finally got in there. And, and uh, there was for a while, for about two months, it was kind of this weird hybrid of like some of the algorithms were GPU, some were CPU, and it was bouncing back and forth. Uh, and then finally, they got them all on GPU. Uh, so. Um, yeah, that, I mean that's the reason we did it was to kind of make keep it the people's coin and keep mm-hmm. it distributed. So you still have to have a GPU. So if you're if you're trying to mine with the CPU, you're probably not going to be able yeah. to mine a whole lot, right? Yeah, you can do it, but it's not really competitive. You're probably using more electricity than it's worth. Better off right. to just go buy. Let's talk a little bit about where Ravencoin is going. You know, as you develop this thing, what's on the roadmap that's coming up in the near future and both uh, down the road a year or so? Sure. Yeah, so the, so the main thing we're doing right now, the roadmap's been published since about April. Uh, and so the main thing we needed to add was was the ability to issue assets. And, and we did get that active. Uh, we had to do a hard fork. So we activated that. That activated on November 5th of last year. So just maybe three months ago. And then uh, next on our roadmap is the ability to do messaging online now, or coming online. And messaging is the ability to whoever holds your token uh, you get an admin token. This is also somewhat unique to our platform. When you issue a token, you get an admin token, and that admin token allows you to reissue more uh, more tokens if you've left reissue on. Uh, it also allows you to change or increase the number of uh, decimal places in your issuance, not decrease it, but increase it. And then that same token will allow you to message your token holders. Um, the advantage to this is... is uh, you know, can be used for a few different things. If you wanted to hold a vote, uh, if you want to say, "Hey, we're switching to this other token," if you want to, you know, um, you know, provide information to subscribers, things like that, you can send a message. 
the message can be read by anyone if they're monitoring the chain and want to read it. So it's not a private message, uh, but it is a way to get in front of the user, the holders of your token. So the client, meaning we're going to have it in the Android, iOS, uh, Windows, Linux, Mac client to pop up a message uh, for the token holders. That's definitely pretty handy. Now, so it's, it's always an interesting thing, right? Because here we are, we're, we're in the same boat now where we've, we're, we're, we've gotten to the point where Badcoin is, is about to be relaunched. We've taken it off of the BitShares thing. We're kind of forked off of Bitcoin and Litecoin and Dash, and we're doing some cool stuff with all of that. What was the process like of getting on exchanges? Because when you create a coin from thin air, because you guys didn't do an ICO, you guys right. didn't do a pre-mine, right? This was a pretty fair launch how you guys had this all set up. You guys... You guys are like, and ready, and go. And then everybody can start buying or selling sell trade. How was that process? Because I know there's some other folks out there who have had challenges of getting on exchanges or getting on good exchanges. And Could you maybe talk about that whole process and what it was like and maybe uh, how, how do you become successful at getting on some of these exchanges? Sure. So I think it did start with, with that uh, kind of fair launch. So very much like Bitcoin, obviously there was more attention paid to it than Bitcoin was when it launched because there was just you know a couple of people. Um, but but the goal is to basically tell everybody kind of at once. Uh, Bruce had talked about it uh, multiple times. At, uh, I think it was MIT and at a couple of other colleges and different talks that he he'd given. Uh, and then he was able to kind of tell people it was coming via his his own uh, followers uh, on Twitter, etc. And then when we did launch, you know, that was kind of uh, told everybody at once. And then we had kind of held the binaries. Uh, we, had, we had started up the seed notes uh, in non-mining mode. Uh, and then no one was able to get uh, the binary, uh, including us. So one person was able to put it out uh, on the, you know, on, uh, out for download. And then we kind of let everybody know where it was. And so it was the only way to get it was via that download. Um, I was kind of too busy kind of making sure it was a fair launch to be able to mine. So I, you know, I wasn't able to get in those first, first blocks. Um, but I do know a couple of people who were, um, and, uh, so it was a very fair launch. So it started, it really started with that. Uh, and then when we went to get it on exchanges, uh, one of the early decentralized exchanges, specifically crypto bridge, uh, put us on there and we were looking at a couple other decentralized exchanges, uh, we had some uh, some OTC trading going on in Discord and Telegram. Uh, that ended up, uh, it worked well sometimes, and there were some people doing escrow, but there were some people that were ripped off, all right, that, that just came in, they were excited to get the coin, and they got somebody giving them a you know, fantastic price, you know, you send first, and so they get ripped off. So we needed to get uh, better ways to, to trade. Um, and so we were contacted early on by Bitrix, and the community had reached out to them and there was enough people, enough demand for the coin that they said, we want to get this on there. And they wanted us to sign some stuff. And, and part of what we're doing is we don't want to be the central authority other than just to kind of be the ones vetting the software and, and putting that out there. Uh, so we did actually uh, find someone in the community that could do that uh, for us. And they've been great. And then Bitrix came back and said, you know what, we need a, uh, we need a letter that said this isn't a security. Because that, that was the big thing at the time, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the SEC had come out and said, hey, these exchanges can, you know, shouldn't be trading securities. I said, okay, great. How do we do that? And they said, well, we need a letter from an attorney and not just any attorney. We need a securities attorney to say this isn't a security. He said, well, it's not. It's, it's a copy of Bitcoin. I said, yeah, yeah you know, we know that, but we need you to get it. So we said, all right. So we went on a search and we find out that um, 
that uh, actually this community member went on a search and found out that that to do that, you're kind of putting to some degree your your firm on the line, and, and so it, there was a cost to it, a fairly significant cost, twenty to fifty thousand dollars, kind of the range. And so uh, funds were raised uh, by the community to to pay this to get a letter written, and a three of five multi-sig was set up, and people's uh, you know deposited funds, Ravencoin, into this address. And we were all ready to, to, to you know, to find a uh, securities attorney to do this when we had a volunteer uh, securities attorney out of New York, very, very graciously uh, donated his time, very, very pricey time uh, to writing a letter, very well written letter. It's on uh, it's on our Wikipedia. It's a it's a Google Doc that you can see all the editing history and wrote up this letter that says why it's not a security and went through the uh, the you know, the Howey test and all the, you know, different things that, that you do to determine whether it's a security or not. And, and so for, from that, we ended up getting on Bittrex. Mm. And so that was great. And that kind of broke loose a bunch of others. Once they saw that, uh, put us on some of the smaller ones. And then uh, last October, I, think it was, I want to say October 12th, uh, I was going to speak in New Hampshire and I saw a tweet that morning and it said that, that, that uh, Ravencoin was going to be added to Binance. I didn't believe it. I, I'm looking at this and it, I, it just seemed, you know, like a pumping up kind of some fake type of thing that somebody was trying to do. And it took me 15 minutes to, to figure out that it was real. There was blue check mark. It wasn't a graphic. I'm checking my Twitter account from different things. <laughs> right. <laughs> so finally figured it out. We actually were on Binance. CZ tweeted out about Raymond coin. You can go find that. It's in our in the, uh-huh. you know, the history of our coin. Did you guys have to pay them or anything or they just they just well, did it on their own? Did it on their own. That's really interesting because we hear from a lot of companies that they're charging a stiff premium in order to get on the exchange. Yeah, and I can understand that from from an ICO that raised a whole bunch of money. We just did, didn't have those kind of funds, right? There, you know, we any anybody who's invested, including the developers and and people, have either mined or bought it. Uh, so there is no bucket of funds that were reserved for marketing. So I got to announce that at the at the at the Ravencoin meetup in New Hampshire. So that was really exciting. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the history of, of being on exchanges, and it's, it's been great. And then for a while on Binance, we had higher volumes uh, than every other pair, including the BTC ETC pair, the BTC LTC pair. Uh, we had the highest volumes for for like a week uh, over everything on Binance. So that was kind of fun. Uh, what led to that? Do you think? I I think uh, a couple things. One, it just kind of broke loose people finding out about Ravencoin. And I think as it moved, uh, we moved very rapidly from about the 250th coin up into the top 100. And, we, and even during that week, we were climbing the top 100. I think we got to like uh, 50th or something. I think we're still top 100, but, but we climbed that ranking very, very fast. And I think it was just people seeing it move up. And so there's more people buying and it, I think it just fed on itself. And we had, we had days during that time where our where our volume exceeded, um, you know, our market cap. It was just it was crazy. I think we had 140 million dollars of volume or whatever, 120 million dollar market cap on one of the days. And how soon was that after your launch? Uh, so after the launch, it was about 10 months. We launched on uh, on purpose on Bitcoin's ninth birthday on January 3rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our uh, Genesis block, we have an article from the same publication that Bitcoin's uh, Genesis block has an article from, from the from the London Times. Uh, and it was specifically an article that talked about Bitcoin. And we found that on that day from the London Times, 
was amazing. So, you know, we've got all these parallels. Um, also, our paper um, that, that, that uh, Bruce had written had come out on October 31st, same day as, as Bitcoin's paper. So, I mean, some of this is just that we did on purpose for fun, but, but it has a lot of parallels. Um, we're trying to keep that uh, fun uh, early, uh, you know, that, that fun early feeling that Bitcoin had and try to keep that alive. So where are you building your community online then? So right now we're on we're on three different platforms. We're on Discord, which probably has the kind of the largest amount of people there. Uh, we're on Telegram, and we're on a new company called a uh, new platform called Sync, S Y N Q, and and it's a new one that's a little bit like Slack, but it has some uh, some features uh, that are crypto. Uh, you know, for crypto. So we're on all those platforms. We don't run the communities at all. So we have uh, moderators from, from the community are running it. Um, we had some early fits and starts uh, because we weren't running our community. We had some, some early problems with that, but, but we're still just allowing the community to run the community. So that is, it's, uh, it's not centrally controlled. Um, we do have to make sure that, you know, bad stuff doesn't get into the GitHub. So we, we do have control over that. Um, but but for the most part, we're just issuing the code, creating the code, making it available, making sure it's uh, safe, fast. Um, and uh, but the community's great, so uh, there's just there's just amazing people in there, um, and they'll help you out. It's very friendly. Uh, if you have questions, they'll answer them. Um, every once in a while, developers will jump in. We'll answer questions. Um, we have a, a biweekly meeting of the developers, so the developer community, which is um, you know, some of it's here, some of it's in Morocco, and, and we'll just answer questions, whatever people want to answer. And we'll usually have a couple of topics we want to cover about what's happening with the roadmap and what's next. Um, that's on Fridays every other week. So if you want to join that, and we do it through uh, uh, IRC chat, but it's also replicated through uh, through Discord. So you can use either one. Very good. There's a lot of stuff going on with this. I mean, it seems to me that, you know, because you guys sort of took the old school route of, hey, how would Bitcoin look if Bitcoin came out today, knowing what we know now, right? Nine years after the fact, essentially, right? And yep. you know, because I, you know, if you look at it, you know, you don't want you don't want the Jihan Wu's of the world up there taking fifty one percent of the hash rate and and actually making it more of a centralized coin, which is sort of what happened over time with those big powerful computers. And I think that was the one thing that Satoshi really overlooked. Maybe some scaling stuff, but he really. I don't think he thought anybody would be able to, to gain so much power over it all because of the speed of the computers. But let me ask you this then, you know, as we're moving forward in the world and quantum computers are coming down the road and, and, and things along those lines, how do you how do you think quantum computing is going to impact the crypto world as a whole? Yeah. So I've been asked that question a few times, um, including in a meeting I was in, in front of a bunch of you know lawyers and judges and Connecticut. And uh, so my, my, uh, my thought on that is if quantum is able to get to the point where they can get enough qubits to kind of break or reverse engineer or whatever, solve backwards uh, this hashing. So you can say, just give me a, you know, give me an algorithm says, give me a low hash that you know, solves backwards through this thing. Uh, when that gets broken, um, I think crypto is going to be the least of our problems. Um, if, if they're able to get that, which you know, there's no guarantees, I mean, pretty much all crypto breaks kind of at the same time. You, you have the ability to, to break RSA encryption and, and things like that. So I think as we get close to that or if we're worried about that happening, I think uh, people are going to start coming out with uh, quantum resistant 
uh, algorithms. Um, there's also, uh, and this is just um, what I've heard, uh, so just passing it along. Um, but but as long as you reuse, uh, as, you, as long as you don't reuse addresses, meaning you put a different address uh, every time, meaning when you send to somebody, they choose a new address. When you send change back to yourself, you use a new address. Uh, Bitcoin, and therefore by extension, Ravencoin is is fairly quantum resistant. It's actually quantum resistant. It's it's only when you reuse addresses that it becomes a problem. I see. Very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to commend you guys. You guys did an amazing thing. You launched this coin. I've been fascinated by it. And uh, especially after we were, you know, started doing research where we were building our own, when we started, you know, taking bad coin and kind of doing the relaunch on bad coin, um, Marshall Long and his team we're having some chats with him. And he goes, you know, there's some Raven coin and Bruce Fitton had kind of done some stuff. And then I was like, cause I hadn't done any research up until then, but we had the idea around, you know, Bitcoin is, you know, it's scalable, but I don't like the fact that, you know, it, it can be so centralized by just a few amount of people. So what we wanted to do is make it so only people with bad computers can mine. Right. So even if you have a Pentium one, then you're going to actually be able to mine at a more effective rate than somebody who has a GPU or an ASIC. And in fact, if you have an ASIC, um, you're going to be de-incentivized to mine at all because it's going to be the actual, the reward gets slowed down and you actually get a much smaller reward. So people can't go out and build big warehouses full of computers to try to mine the stuff. So that was kind of the thing is making it fun, bringing it back to the communities, allowing them to sort of, you know, uh, create a mind of its own. Now, what are, what are some of the use cases now now this coin's been out for a year plus. What are some of the things that people have been, you know, using the coins for? Are they primarily using it as a an asset exchange, and they're they're buying and trading it and selling it on on exchanges, or are there other use cases that they're using the Raven Coin for? Yeah, so so the Raven Coin itself, uh, just the you know the token like you know like Bitcoin or Ethereum, uh, so that's that's been trading for a while, and and you know it actually provides. You know the the protection of the network. Uh, you know, a kind of a tradable asset people speculate on. Just you know, just like Bitcoin. Uh, as far as the assets being created, we've seen some really interesting use cases. Uh, we've had a company here in Utah uh, that does uh, puts together uh, financial vehicles in other countries, splits them up, sells them to accredited investors. They're interested, and they registered a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of assets on top of Ravencoin. They, they wrote news articles about it. Uh, Tokenized EUs come out and said they want to use Ravencoin for their their projects. Uh, we've got some internal projects uh, here that are using it for different things for certificates of authenticity. Uh, we've seen people put uh, actually print the private code on uh, art and have a certificate of authenticity. One of the things we have. Uh, unlike other coins, we, we actually have one called a, a unique token. Whereas if you if you create the token and it has a hashtag in it, there can only be one of them, just only one non-divisible token. Um, and so people are using that for certificates authenticity. Um, we've seen uh, another uh, company that, that's planning on doing a whole kind of stream of like, we're going to create your LLC, your, your legal documents for your company, and then create an asset that, that kind of represents your company. Um, so lot, lots of different. Oh, we've seen another one which is doing using unique assets uh, that that are tied to uh, precious stones, um, and then certificate of authenticity for precious stones. So we've seen lots of different kind of unique use cases that are kind of showing up, games and things like that. Um, we have an asset viewer. Uh, if you go to ravencoin.asset-explorer.com, 
uh, there's an asset viewer. And so people have created over 16,000 assets since November 5th, so in the last three months, um, burning. Uh, so there, there's a cost to it. You have to burn at least 500 Raven to create an asset. Uh, so people have created these assets. Some of them just kind of, uh, you know, kind of name squatting, uh, but some of them are real projects. Um, and then each asset you create, uh, you can link to metadata. So information about the asset and that uh, metadata goes in IPFS. So it's a kind of a permanent store uh, where you, you can't unlink the, 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 the information that's in the chain with the data or you know, if you change that, it's unlinked. So, so you're kind of guaranteed that the person that created the asset was the person that created this metadata. And so people have, you know, created PDFs and pictures and people are even attaching assets to full, to uh, full movies. And, and so these movies are going in IPFS and you, and the asset explorer, you click on the, the, the token name and then click on it and watch the whole movie uh, just shows up in the browser and starts playing. So, uh, Sort of an unexpected thing, but there was kind of no size constraint in IPFS, so uh, people are doing interesting things with that. You guys can check this all out. Ravencoin.com and ravencoin.org is where you'll find the white paper, community resources, and more. And uh, Tron Black, thanks so much for coming on Bad Crypto and sharing with our bad audience all the bad stuff you got going on. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Great dude. Oh, my God. Like, you know that that he's a sharp guy when Patrick Byrne, who is the head of Overstock and Medici Ventures, hires him as the head of, uh, you know, development for all of his blockchain stuff. So that's a pretty good, pretty good pedigree right there, would you say? And speaking of Patrick Byrne, we have secured another interview with him. This will be the third time that he's on Bad Crypto, and the timing is fortuitous because T0 is officially launching. And Mr. Travis Wright, guess who else has uh, said that he would be on Bad Crypto? Ah, I know the answer. Do you want me to spoil it? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, my brother, Dr. Craig Wright, is coming on the show. And he said he's going to share the wealth with us. He's going to, you know, since I'm a member of the Wright family, you know, he's going to hook us all up with uh, what's what's the <laughs> what's the Bitcoin fork? He, he has the Bitcoin Cash SV, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah. He's not giving so us any. He, but it's going to be uh, amazing he, to talk to the guy. Are you serious? Yeah, he did claim to be Satoshi Nakamoto at some mm-hmm. point, you know, one of the originators of Bitcoin. So that's coming up soon. Other interviews coming your way as well. Yeah, and if you've got some questions for Craig Wright, then go to the Bad Crypto Mastermind, and uh, we'll have a post there that you can post them on our Facebook page at badco.in forward slash mastermind, or write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com. And we just we just did a great interview with Michael Turpin that you guys are going to want to tune into. Oz Sultan is going to be back with some really insightful information on the security of your phones. Dudes, we got lots of great content coming up, and we're glad that uh, you're here for us to share it with you. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. Uh, you know, there's some other people on the works that are getting on the show as well. So the content we're bringing you guys is we're trying to bring you stellar content even though crypto market goes up crypto goes down we know people get angry and sad when crypto market goes down and um you know that's that's part of the whole deal but we're bringing you the best content we can and uh, we're going to be meeting some really interesting people here coming up over the next couple of months and bringing you guys great interviews we're here for the long haul stick around don't cry and stay bad who's bad 
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.